Welcome to Music Speaks. This podcast dedicates itself to how music impacts people's lives. For this show, we usually have two co-hosts, myself, Sean Rakunis, and my friend, Hunter Sagona. Hunter and I believe that many people have a playlist that makes their life unique through music. We pride ourselves on building our musical knowledge with our featured guests, jamming to incredible music, talking about a wide variety of artists and composers, dot, 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 and everything in between. Hunter and I will be taking on the Proust questionnaire today, and I thought it'd be very nice for us to just read through a excerpt of Proust by Swan's Way. So let's check this out. Maybe it was because of his ignorance of music that he had been capable of receiving so confused an impression. The in-kind of impression that is, however, perhaps the only one which is purely musical, immaterial, entirely original, irreducible to any other order of impression. An impression of this kind is, for instance, so to speak, sign materia. No doubt the notes we hear then tend already, depending on their loudness and their quantity, to spread out before our eyes over surfaces of varying dimensions, trace aberesques, and give us sensations of breath, tenaciousness, stability, and whimsy. But the notes vanish before these sensations are sufficiently formed in us, not to be submerged by those already excited by the succeeding or even simultaneous notes. And this impression would continue to envelop with its liquidity and its mellowness the motifs that at times emerge it. Barely discernible, immediately to dive under and disappear, known only by the particular pleasure they give, impossible to describe, to recall, to name, ineffable, if memory, like a laborer, working, to put down lasting foundations in the midst of the waves, by fabricating for us facsimiles of these fleeting phrases, did not allow us to compare them to those that follow them and to differentiate them, and so, scarcely, had the delicious sensation which Swan had felt died away than his memory had once furnished him with a transcription that was summary and temporary, but at which he could glance while the piece continued. So that already, when the same impression suddenly returned, it was no longer impossible to grasp. He could picture himself its extent, its symmetrical groupings, its notation, its expressive value. He had before him this thing, which is no longer pure music, which is drawing, architecture, thought, and allows us to recall the music. This time he had clearly distinguished one phrase, rising for a few moments above the waves of sound. It had immediately proposed to him particular sensual pleasures, which he had never imagined before hearing it, which he could be introduced to him by nothing else, and he had experienced for it something like an unfamiliar love. Marcel Proust, Swan's Way. As I mentioned, in this episode, Hunter and I will be asked each of the Proust questions and discussing our reflections by answering only within five seconds and then talking about our reflections after we finish answering the questions. So without any further ado, let's get right into the Proust questionnaire. Music. Edition. Right. Hunter, we are finally back. 
after our now long, it's going to be back. Yeah, after our long hiatus, um, and we talked about this. We said, "What are we going to do for our first show after the break?" And I thought that the Prowse questionnaire would be a good way for us to introduce ourselves a little more to mm-hmm. our listeners and let us let us into their deepest souls and our deepest souls because the Prowse questionnaire really does ask some really difficult questions to those who really want to know the inner beauty of Hunter Sagona. And you are going to go first today. Um, and uh, <laughs> Hunter's like the inner beauty of my soul. What does that mean? <laughs> Um, but we are going to go, um, the rules Hunter, as I stated to you earlier is you have five seconds to answer a question. I'm going to write down your answer. And mm. once we're all done answering all 34 questions, we will, uh, talk about a few of those and we will take a break. Um, uh-huh. so without any further ado, let's get this rocking. Uh-huh. The first question is what is your idea of perfect happiness in the music business? I would say complete, uh, that's what I'm looking for, complete uh, harmony in the physical sense, like everyone working together. Okay. Next question. What is your greatest fear when performing? Making a mistake. Making a mistake. What is what is the trait you most deplore in yourself and rea- and the relation to your playing, practicing, or composing? I don't practice as uh, as much as I should. Okay. And I tell myself that I will, and I don't. <laughs> as I should. All right. What is the trait you most deplore in others musically? Uh, I would say probably their. When when people are overconfident. Overconfident? Okay. All right. Um, which living composer, arranger, performer do you most admire? Um, it's a cliche, but I think it's true. I'd say John Williams. John Williams? Okay. All right. Uh, what is your greatest artistic extravagance? Artistic extravagance. That's an odd question. Um, my artistic extravagance. I mean, I don't really know. I don't, I'm not that extravagant with anything. Maybe that I use too many, I, I buy too many reads and maybe go through them faster than I should. Buy too many reads. Beautiful. What is your current artistic state of mind? Uh, again, I don't know. That's, I'm going to say, uh, there isn't really one at the moment. There's not a lot of artistic stuff going on. Not a lot going on. Okay. What do you consider the, to, to be the most overrated virtue in the music business? Uh, overrated virtue. I'm going to say... Um, I'm going to say vocal range, you know, I mean, we can do that later, but I'll say vocal range. Vocal range. Okay. The next one that I have is on what occasion do you lie? Uh, (laughs) I mean, I think like most people to, to just avoid trouble. Avoid trouble. 
Okay. What do you most dislike about your appearance? About my appearance? Uh, I'm going to say uh, I have a very like thick neck. This is to sound weird, but I, I have like a thick neck. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I mean, I don't mean to laugh at that. But... No, it's funny. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, which living artist, composer, performer do you most despise? <sighs> that I despise? Yeah. Um... Uh... You know, I, I'm not really sure. There are so many out there that I'm like, I'm not fans of theirs. I'm going to say just like pop vocalists in general, because I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who really stands out, but the pop vocal style, I really don't like. Okay. All right. What is the quality that you most like in a composer, performer, or artist? Um, I would say the ability to properly write for each instrument me meaning like you know how it's obvious when some composers don't play the instruments that they're writing for right right cool all right um which words or phrases do you most overuse words or phrases that i most overuse i say the word understand a lot understand okay Um, what or who is the greatest love of your life? Hmm. I know who you're going to say that for this. Um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just say my family in general. I, yeah. I have no great love. Family. Okay. All right. When and where were you happiest? Um... At home, I would say at home, probably just like, you know, doing my thing at home. Okay. Let's see here. Which talent slash music ability would you might most like to have? Um, I'd like to be able to play the flute better than I do. Play the flute. Okay. Okay. Let's see here. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Um, if I could change one thing about myself, uh, I would say, um, well, you know, that's a hard one. Um, 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 I would change probably my voice. Your voice. Your voice. Okay. Yeah, my voice. I have this very nasal and Squidward-like <laughs> voice. <laughs> um, what do you consider to be your greatest musical slash artistic achievement? Um, my greatest musical achievement? I would say playing in the pit orchestra for Into the Woods. Okay. All right. Well, I also have, if you were to die and come back as a person or a thing, what would it be? Uh, um, if I could, if I were going to die and come back, I would, 
Oh, that's a weird one. Um, how about if I could come back as Benny Goodman? Benny Goodman. Okay. Where would you most like to live? Where would you most like to live? Actually, where I, you know, I, I'd like to live maybe in somewhere like I do now, in like a suburban town that's not too, uh, not too neighborly, but also not too sparse. Okay. What is your most treasured possession? My most treasured possession. Oh, I don't know. That's a hard one. I have my third grade grandfather's passport from when oh. he arrived from Italy. So that's pretty cool. Passport. You said your grandfather's passport? Your great Third grade. Great, great, great. 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 Ooh. Okay. What do you regard what do you yeah. regard as the lowest depth of misery? The lowest depth of misery. Oh God. Um I don't know, sitting in algebra? <laughs> no. Um, uh, how about, I would say, uh, really feeling helpless. Really feeling helpless. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is your favorite occupation? Uh, I'd like to think the one I'm currently doing, which is teaching. Teaching. Great. Uh, what is your most marked characteristic? Uh, people tell me that I'm very calm under pressure. Calm under pressure. That is very true. I would definitely agree with you on that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, what do you most value in your section mates slash orchestra mates? I would say the ability to hear each other. Hear. Beautiful. Who are your favorite composers, alive or dead? Um, well, I admire Williams, so I'll say Williams for, for alive, but dead. Um, I really like Tchaikovsky, and I really like... Um, <sighs> let, let's go with Tchaikovsky. I'll say him. Jake, Jake. okay, cool. Who is, who is your hero of fiction? A hero of fiction. Yes. Uh, let's go with... Uh, I would say... My favorite hero of fiction. I would say Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right. Cool. Who are your... Which historical composer slash performer do you most identify with? That I most identify with? Uh, I would say, I mean, you know, someone, you know, someone who is dorky, but knows what he is doing. So that would probably be someone like, I don't know. Uh, how about, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll say, I'll say, um, Tchaikovsky again, only, and not, because I'm brilliant or anything. I'll just say because 
he wrote some very, very unusual things that people wound up really liking. And I'd like to think I can sometimes come up with that creativity, not nearly to his sense and not in the composition world, but still. Minus the whole, I'm not suicidal, obviously. Yeah. Um, who are your heroes in real life? Uh, my heroes in real life, I would say, I would say my mother is probably the biggest. Mother? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are your favorite names? My favorite names? Um, let's see. My favorite names. I really like the name. I like the, um, Oh, that's a, that's a difficult question. I really like the name um, Margarita. Can you say that one more time, Hunter? I really like the name Margarita. Margarita. And for guys, Margarita. Okay. It, it, yeah. Okay. And for guys, I really like. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's say let's say with that one. All right. Okay. Um, what is it that you most dislike? What do I most dislike? Um, I would say grocery shopping, but I think, <laughs> <laughs> which I luckily haven't had to do with the pandemic. Um, right. Let's yeah, let's let's stick with grocery shopping. I would say grocery that's the thing. any any sort of shopping actually. I don't like any shopping. <laughs> okay. Um, what is your what is your greatest regret? My greatest regret. Um, my greatest regret, greatest regret. Um, uh, I don't really have one. I maybe just not being as social as other people. Not as social. Okay. In you know when while going through high school and and middle school and all that. Right. Okay. Here's thirty three. How would you like to die? Uh, in a fiery blaze of glory. No, um, I'd like just sort of, you know, after having attained great age, sort of just unknowingly going in my sleep one day. Okay, unknowing in sleep. And the last question is, what is your motto? My motto, um, my motto, uh, probably, Probably K Sara Sara. What will be will be. Sara Sara. Hunter, congratulations. You've gotten through the past questionnaire. I have to wow. ask at any point in time during this during this questionnaire, did you lie? Did I lie at any point in time? I don't think so. I think okay. it was all pretty honest. Okay. All right. Well, it is now time for us to go through and check your responses. Um, one of your first questions that I asked you when you said your greatest fear when performing is making a mistake. Why is that? Uh, I think it's for the usual reason. I, you know, people don't enjoy to be made a fool of. I think that it, make, it obviously makes them uncomfortable. Um, everyone wants to seem like they know what they're doing. And when you make a mistake, it seems like you don't, even though sometimes it is just a fluke. Um, Right. But I think that's probably why. Sure. Okay. Or for number four, you when you said, what is the trait you most deplore in others musically, you said overconfident. What does, mm -hmm. that, mean? What does that mean? 
Um, in meaning, some people, you know, when they play, they lose the sense of being a part of the group. They and maybe it's just that the music takes over for them. But some people, they they don't they want to believe it's just them playing. You know what I mean? And they they try to make themselves heard over others. And if that's not what the music calls for, you can't do it just because you want. Right. Sure. So for number eight, you wrote, you said, um, vocal range to what do you consider to be the most overrated virtue in the music business? Why is right. vocal range? Why is vocal range? So, you know, if you look at a lot of, you know, like the Mariah Carey type singers, you know, and und undeniably she has a massive vocal range. Um, and and maybe in retrospect, vocal range is not the word I'm looking for. Um, thinking of someone like her, you know, I don't I don't begrudge her 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 talent or her vocal abilities, but her ability to to I guess it is vocal range. Basically, uh, over embellish. Maybe, maybe that's the, maybe that's the word I'm looking for. The over embellishment of vocals that should be simple. You know what I mean? Everyone wants to put embellishments on the things that they sing, often using a very high, vo a very high vocal range. Um, right. And right, yeah. it makes music sound overcomplicated or, or indulgent or, and you're like, that's not necessary. You know, the, the melody is written a certain way. You don't need to ham it up. People will like it because it, if it's well-written, they'll like it. Right. Wanted to ask you, one of the most common words that you use is understand. Why, mm -hmm. is that? Why is that? I don't know. I think I just, it's sort of a filler word. And it, it, in my own mind, is me asking someone if they're following my train of thought. Right. So okay. I just throw it in there whether or not I'm actually, whether or not I've actually asked them a question. Right. Interesting. Okay. And for number 17, the answer to this question was, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? And you said your voice. Mm. I wouldn't change your voice. You have a very identifiable mm. Yeah. My, uh, I go. Yeah, you think? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, when people listen to this show, they know exactly who is who, I believe, when they, when they hear talking. So I think it's definitely identifiable. Um, definitely picked out in a crowd. Um, why would you want to change your voice? I don't know. I always felt like, you know, I mean, and I feel like a lot of people think this when they hear themselves on recordings, they're always like, oh, dear God, is that what I sound like? Um, <laughs> because obviously to us, we, our own voices sound different, obviously. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's resonating in our heads. But I always hear my voice and like, oh, dear God, is that what my students have to listen to all day long? Um, and I don't know. It's, maybe it's not as bad as I think it is. But right. I always got the sense that if it was less nasally. Maybe right. it would be better, but I don't know. I find I have a voice that projects well, so maybe if my voice was different, it wouldn't project as well, so maybe it works in my favor. So you said that your greatest musical accomplishment was playing Into the Woods. Why is that? Uh, because it was a very difficult, uh, very difficult score, and it required, a, I mean, on-point counting, it required very, um, very dexterous fingerings, I think that doing it was just something that I, I was proud of being able to do. I was, I was able to hold my own with the other performers who were more experienced than I was. 
So I, I was just happy with the way it came out. Right. As you said earlier, when you said uh, if you were to die and then come back as a person or thing, you said Benny Goodman. Why Benny Goodman? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, part of it's time period. Part of it is his skill level. Part of it is, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't seek status, but you know, everyone always, everyone always speculates. You know, if you could be something different than you were, you know, I'm obviously not an incredibly social person. I don't really go out and, you know, do things or whatever. So if I could come back as someone living one in the big band era, that would be fun Two as master clarinetist. I wouldn't call myself master clarinetist. Um, <laughs> and someone who was in the spotlight, because it's not something that I usually seek spotlight. Um, and, you know, he was really influential, you know, in the, the rights movements, which would be, you know, a, you know, a nice thing. Um, and he enjoyed what he did. So, I mean, all those things, who wouldn't want to do that? Right. I wanted to ask you, um, one of the most surprising answers that you gave me was when you answered your most treasured possession. And you said your passport from your great, great, great grandfather. How much does that actually mean to you? Yeah. You know, I, I do a lot of family history research. And that particular side of my family, there's not a lot of. Um, especially going back that far. And I don't know, it means just, I, it represents a great deal of obviously my family's history. Without it, I wouldn't be here today as, as what I am. So I think for me, because there's not that much on that side of the family and that it's so old, right. I think it represents a lot. Maybe it's, maybe it's not my most treasured possession, but it's something that means a great deal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for number 24, your response from what is your most marked characteristic is calm under pressure. And I definitely agreed with you initially when you said that because um, we've had guests on the show when I've been sort of nervous and you've been very calm under those pressures of meeting new people. Um, I totally agree with you. Where did that idea come from or where did you sort of find that out about yourself? Um, you know, when I was doing my student teaching, I mean, I, I, I don't usually get flustered in general. I mean, things for whatever reason, especially when I'm in the, like the working world or I'm not at home. Um, I don't know if it's a mental thing. I, I mentally force myself to do this, but I don't really let things bother me. And when I was doing my student teaching, the department head came in, you know, a couple times to observe as they have to do, you know, and they give you feedback afterwards. And when we were sitting down and talking, the class, you know, the class she came to observe, but they were by no means the best class. And I, she said, you know, she was like, I was really impressed by how the, you know, they were chaotic, but you, you, you handled each of them in turn and you were able to maintain the order of the class classroom right. and you never really like let them bother you and then just you know recently again when i'm in the assignment that i'm in now one of the other teachers next door mm -hmm. told me and the teacher in the other room told me how she was listening and how they observed i had never really got upset or or over concerned with what was going on so i figured that's it's, that's probably a marked characteristic of mine right okay i wanted to go back to question 22 because you were saying um that the lowest um depth of misery is sitting in algebra 
<laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm kidding. I want to go back to this answer because you had said that really feeling helpless. Um, has there ever been a point in time where you've had felt that before and understood that that was a, a point of misery for you? Or do you just assume that that could be a point of misery for you? Um, it doesn't happen, you know, knock on wood, thank God. It doesn't happen often, but, you know, I think there were one or two times when family members were in the hospital where, you know, you're just sort of sitting there and you and you say to yourself, there's nothing I can do. Like, I'm sitting here, they're there, you know, doctors and nurses are doing their thing, but there's nothing I can do. And that really puts you in a sense of like, and it does give you a sense of misery. It's, it's like, because at that point, you feel so disparaged that, you know, anything can happen and nothing to whatever degree of effort you put in can change it. Wow. Yeah. You know what yeah. I, mean? I mean? Absolutely. And yeah. Like I said, knock on wood, that hasn't happened often, but there have been one or two times. Right. Sure. Um, I wanted to ask you because 29 was who are your heroes in real life? And you said your mom. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever told her that? Or have you, when have you, when have you realized that, that she was your hero? Um, I think it's sort of always been a constant, you know, I, I think a hero is someone who you constantly look up to, or you look to them for guidance, or you look to them for the, uh, you know, you look to them to figure out your own way forward. So whoever you can say, that's what you do, that would obviously be your hero. Um, and, you know, me, my career path is a teacher, she's a teacher. You know, she takes care of all of us in the family, not just my sister and I and my father, but she takes care of her parents and even, you know, her her brother. And I think that takes a certain level of, uh, a little, a level of strength and a level of uh, fortitude and, and a, an admirable one, something that, you know, many people should admire. Right. And right. she, you know, she never asks for, praise which also goes along with that admirable quality right. so i think and if you've asked if i've ever told her that no probably not but you know we, we try to show that we appreciate everything that she does but um sure. yeah okay okay two more questions before we get going here um you said that the what is the thing you most dislike is you said grocery shopping <laughs> yes grocery shopping I don't know why, but I get such agita when I go grocery shopping. It gives me such anxiety. Um, I I don't know if it's I, I don't like crowds. Though you know, crowds bother me. Um, but also, there's like a level of maybe it's because I don't usually go on. I go with other people, and other people get crazy when we go shopping. Um, but something about it bothers me. Like I I don't like going to the store to get things, and the thing I most of the whole shopping experience is coming home and unpacking everything. Right. I don't know why it just aggravates the bejesus out of me. The last question that you answered for us today was what is your motto? And you said, K Sarah, Sarah. Um, for those who don't know what that actually means, can you explain it? And then why is that your motto? Sure. K Sarah, Sarah means what will be, will be. And you know, it sort of goes along with what you said about like what what's a marked characteristic of mine, which is you know not getting flustered and, and staying calm. Uh, in my mind, you know, there's very little. I mean, you could you could be upset about things, but to to let worry or or fear or upset 
guide your actions when what you do is not necessarily going to change what happens it seems useless to me you know worrying is just obviously everyone gets worried but if you worry all the time it, it makes no sense because what's going to happen is going to happen if you're walking down the street and i don't know someone crashes a car into a pole no amount of worrying is going to make you is going to make that guy not crash into the pole you know what i mean like yeah. If you're taking a test, you know what I mean, and you, you're freaked out about a test. Sorry to say, but you either know it or you don't. No amount of mm. overthinking or worrying is going to change that. So there's no real reason to get to get flustered or upset right. by things that you can't change. Right. Yeah. Hunter, I want to thank you for being. And I try part. to keep that in mind when I'm teaching. I try to keep that in mind when I'm of course. doing anything. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, there was a lag. No, I didn't it's know. okay. I'm, I'm sorry too. No, that's um, I wanted to say thank. I want to say thank you for your answers and your honesty. And um, I wanted to ask you at any point in time, were you surprised by your own answers? Uh, yeah, you a were? little bit. Okay, can I ask what 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 surprised you the most? Um, I would say probably the. Uh, which one was it? One of them. One of them struck me when I said that. I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess that's true." Um, maybe the maybe the one about the musical achievement, just because it's not something I often think about. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Hunter, this is a perfect transition because we are going to take a break, and this break is sponsored by our friends at Anchor. I also want to mention to those listening right now, please check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Our handles are at MusicSpeaks underscore pod on Twitter, MusicSpeaks underscore podcast on Instagram, MusicSpeaks podcast on Facebook, and at MusicSpeaks underscore podcast on TikTok. Oh my goodness. We're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, Hunter will do my job and ask me the Proust questionnaire, so don't go away. Okay, and we are back with Sean Rimkunis and me, Hunter Sagona. And now it's my turn to ask Sean the Proust questionnaire, which we've targeted more in the music realm, uh, with some questions remaining the same. So, Sean, who is a thoroughly more interesting person than I am, uh, are you ready? I am ready, and Hunter, you were as equally interesting or more not interesting than I am. So that's beautiful. All right. So here is number one. What is your idea of perfect happiness in the music business? Um, finding success through other people, people telling you that you're doing a good job. All right. And number two. What is your greatest fear when performing? Um, your friends or colleagues not showing up to your performance. Okay, that makes sense. All right, what is the trait you most deplore in yourself in relation to your playing, practicing, or composing? I'm going to say the lack of practicing sometimes, or I'm not interested in practicing. All right. 
what is the trait you most deplore in others musically? Um, unkindness. Unkindness. All right. Which living composer, arranger, performer do you most admire? Chris Coletti. Chris Coletti. Ah, oh, very interesting. We were just talking about him. Yep. All right. What is your greatest artistic extravagance? Oh, man. Buying music. Because I, I would literally buy anything because music is just so amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. What is your current artistic state of mind? Trying to find creative outlets, even during a pandemic. All right. What do you consider the most overrated virtue in the music business? Talent. Talent? <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Um, on what occasion do you lie? Ooh. Um, to spare feelings or to um, avoid trouble like you. <laughs> I tend not to spare feelings. What do you most dislike about your appearance? Ooh, I have a weird looking pinky toe. With Ah, okay. It's very, it's like a diamond shaped pinky toe. Diamond shaped pinky toe, that's different. Yeah. Which lip? Living artist or composer or performer, do you most despise? Who, um, who I do most despise? You're right. This is a tough one because I don't really hate a lot of people. Um, right. You know, and I'll have to go with your answer, Mariah Carey. I don't really like her that much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really a fan of hers. All right. What is the quality you most like in a composer, performer, or artist? And or Competen artist? competency. <laughs> that is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Which words or phrases do you most overuse? Professorally. 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 All right. What or who is the greatest love of your life? And answer with great care. Uh, Mimi. <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend. There you go. My girlfriend. If she's listening, he answered correctly. <laughs> where, and <laughs> where and when were you happiest? Oh, probably now. I mean, I'm getting my doctorate um i'm doing really well in school and i have an awesome girlfriend i have amazing friends like you and my family is around me right now so i'm pretty happy very cool all right what which talent slash musical ability would you most like to have tenacity acidity lovely all right if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Um, anxious feelings towards others and not understanding where other people are coming from. All right.
Okay. Who do you consider your greatest musical slash artistic achievement? Um, putting together a concert um, where I got to play Brandenburg and Soldier's Tale and got to um, help put on a show and uh, in and to I music directed Hair and that was a pretty big musical achievement for me. Wow. Yeah. Have to come back to that. All right. Where would you most like to live? Oh, um, I guess wherever my girlfriend is or where we are or where my family is or where I'm teaching. <laughs> I guess it doesn't, All right. that it's, it doesn't answer the question. I'll say where my girlfriend is, wherever my girlfriend is. All right. What is your most treasured possession? I have a um, autograph signature that John Williams signed of his own picture. Ah, yeah. mm -hmm. very cool. Mm -hmm. What do you what do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? Wow, um, having no friends. Having no friends. All right. What is your favorite occupation? Being a musician, conductor, composer, any of those things. Any one of those three in particular you think stands out above the others? Uh, I guess I go with musician because that's where I am right now. So. All right. Yeah. What is your most marked characteristic? Annoyance. <laughs> annoyance? You're, <laughs> no, constant, you're in a constant state of annoyance? No, 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 no. My marked characteristic is... Um, uh, being creative, I think. Yeah, creative. An annoyed, right. an annoyed creativity. <laughs> annoyed, cre annoyance-inspired creativity. That is correct. I think so. Yeah. What do you most value in your section mates slash orchestra mates or bandmates? Um, honesty. Honesty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. Who are your favorite composers, alive or dead? Igor Stravinsky. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Duke Ellington. Um, and I'll say one more. Um, I'm going to add um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh-huh. Very cool. So the oddball one's thrown in there? But they're yeah. a good group. All right, yeah. who is your who is your hero of fiction? My hero of fiction. That's a good one. I actually didn't think about this one that much. Um, my hero of fiction has to be Miles Morales. From uh... I have no way of proving <laughs> this, but I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> All right, which historical composer slash performer do you most identify with? Um, Harry James. Harry James. All right. Yeah. I think people forget about him, which is a shame. Um, who are your heroes or hero in real life? Heroes in real life. Um, if I can add, I'll, I'll say a few heroes. Um, my 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 girlfriend is one of my heroes. Um, my mom is definitely one of my heroes. 
and um, uh, Brett Bowles is one of my heroes. Oh, yeah? Yes, that is correct. He'd be happy to hear that. <laughs> what are your favorite names? Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Lovely. <laughs> no other spelling the word Sean, by the way, but we can get into that if you want to. No, you, you don't like the you don't like the English spelling? That is just very depressing. <laughs> <laughs> what is it that you most what is it that you most dislike? Cruelty to others. Cruelty to others. All right. Very admirable. What is your greatest regret? Not doing theater sooner. Not doing theater sooner. I don't know why I said that with an accent. I was like, the theater. <laughs> How would you like to die? Among friends. All right, and last but not least, Sean, we have mm -hmm. what is your motto? My motto, that's a tough one. I think I have to go with, um, um, even when there's a pandemic going on, or you know what? Never mind, scratch that. I'm sorry. Um, when one door closes, another opens. Close. Another. Oops. Opens. That is correct. Bellissimo. All right. So thank you very much, Sean. You did very well. Thank and you. since you asked me, I'll ask you, did you lie at any point during this questionnaire? Um, no, but I'm also not sure if I lied about that answer. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, very, no, very good. No, 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 I did not lie. I did not. All lie. right. Okay. Well, then with not, uh, with not having lied, then let's take a look at some of these that you answered. And I'd like to take a look at the first one. And you said your idea of perfect happiness in the music business is finding success through others. Oh, excuse me, boy. I'm not going to get your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, expand on that a little bit. What do you mean? I mean, um, when you can see other people admire the talent that you have, mm -hmm. and that's how you know that you're, you're making an impact on the music world. Ah, okay. I see. Yeah. yeah. So if, if, let's say if you're playing Rhapsody in Blue. Very nice. And, All right. Oh, sorry. I know there's a lag going on. But I was just going to say, um, let's say, Hunter, yourself, you're playing Rhapsody in Blue. And you're playing that. And then someone comes up to you and says, that was amazing. That response to someone else gives mm -hmm. you the reassurance that you know you're doing well. Mm -hmm. so, so you mean like validation, right? The, the concept of validation. The concept of validation is very big in my eyes, yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, I feel like everyone, you know, at some point needs to be, they need to feel validated in order to feel like they're doing something right. You know what I mean? Right. Without yeah. it, it can be very disheartening. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree. All right. Let's also take a look at, um, let's take a look at number five. 
Number five, okay. Oh, yes, which living composers do you admire most? And you said Chris Coletti. Yeah. And even, you know, for those who haven't heard maybe other episodes, what, what do you admire about the man? What do you, uh, why, why would he be so highly regarded for you? Oh, um, well, he was my teacher for a few years, um, came from the Canadian brass. Everyone was all like, oh my God, he's this amazing trumpet player. When I got to meet him, he's just a very nice human being. Uh -huh. You know, and everyone, everyone sort of, everyone sort of got into the vanity of his celebrity at the college, uh -huh. but I really wasn't one of those that sort of fell into the traps of his Canadian brassness celebrity. Uh -huh. I was sort of like, here's someone who has a family who's very passionate about being a dad and passionate about being, you know, in a relationship with his wife and, you know, also a really successful person and does composing, he arranges, he is a great trumpet player. He is a great performer. Um, I think it just says a lot about the guy, you know, and I really do look up to him in that way. Mm -hmm. Very cool. That's, and that's, I think important, especially in, in the, a field like music, it, it's something that can easily get lost, right? Because right. people who do become popular or famous or successful, can be seen in that like stardom fashion. And oftentimes they're just normal people. Right, absolutely, yeah. All right, uh, I definitely wanna talk about number eight. Okay. Um, where you said that the most overrated virtue in the music business is talent. And yeah. I laughed when you said this. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little, like, why did you pick that one? Because I'm sure to other people, it seems a little bit odd. Right. Um, talent can only get you so far mm -hmm. in, in the music world. And when you start to see people who are nice, who are passionate, who are willing to do things that other talentless people are not going to do, those people actually end up being better than those who have talent because they end up being more successful. You know, sometimes burdened with talent might not always be the best thing, but understanding, even if you do have talent, it's mm -hmm. also understanding that that comes with an ego too. And understanding that talent can mm -hmm. only do really so much for you. But then after, if you say, I only have talent, then what are you really missing in characteristics? You're missing kindness. You're missing honesty. You're missing all these other qualities that a musician in the 20th century needs to have you know, mm -hmm. understanding of diversity, understanding of inclusion, you know, and those things yep. are really important when you're talking to someone about talent, because talent can only really do one thing for one person, which is um, help them grow to be a good musician. But a good musician can't be good without those other qualities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's no, that's, that's very true and very well said. And I feel like more people should heed those words because it would not make things easier, but it would certainly, ch I think, change the face of the music business if everyone adhered to those principles. Right, absolutely. All right, let's take a look at number, oh, I just lost it, number 12, okay. number 12, the quality you most like in a composer, performer, artist, which is, you said, competency. Yes, I did. Uh, which to some might seem obvious, but what is your reasoning for that? 
you you sort of hit it on the nail with sort of trying to find a way of describing composers as sometimes they don't always know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think I think it's really important to think about because one of one of my one of my favorite composers, John Williams, always doesn't really know how to really write for trumpet that well. Mm -hmm. But my friend, my one of my favorite composers, who I hope we can get on the show, uh, my friend Kevin McKee, he is just an amazing writer of trumpet because he plays the trumpet. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of obvious that if someone plays the trumpet, they would know how to write for the trumpet, you know? Right. Um, so my, my, my realization of competency is just understanding that if you're going to be there and you're going to understand how things work, you do the research that you do to understand what you need to do to make it successful. Those people that put that extra mile in mm -hmm. understand how to work and how to figure out how, how things you know are navigated, they su succeed way more than those who don't take the time to you know set up. You know, um, Let me ask you this. Who are you more familiar with, Mozart or Salieri? Mozart. Mozart, because Mozart had written a lot more simpler music, and that appealed to a broader audience, rather than Salieri, who wrote a lot of very sacred material. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people, musicians may know him more, but the broader audience of non-musicians that don't know Salieri will understand Mozart more than they will with Salieri. And that yeah. sort of plays in the role with competency, too. It does, yeah. Knowing your audience is another form of competence, not just in what you're writing, but who are you writing for? That's right. Of course, then you get into the argument of like, well, who do you write music for? You write it for yourself. And you're like, like yeah, okay, that's true. But ideally, you want people to listen to it. So you also have to yeah. keep that in mind as well. Of course. Why wouldn't music wouldn't be music without listeners, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you could sit in like a, a room and play it to yourself, but ideally you want people to listen to it. So it should be what they want. Right. Um, and I think that's a that's a big thing with a lot of known composers of the modern era, like, you know, um, like a Steve Reich or um, uh, Arvo Part, you know, them. A lot of modern audiences don't understand their music, mm. you know, or, or you know, or, or not modern audiences, but a lot of uh, common audiences, non-musician audiences don't really get what they're going for. Right. And I think that's why they don't they don't quote unquote like them. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, number sixteen. I wanted to look at which talent or ability you said you wanted to have, and you said tenacity. Yeah. All right. So for for tell the audiences what you mean by that, and why do you want to have it? I might as well even have it. I don't really know. I think tenacity is one of those things that you think you might have or you might not have. It's also kind of a weird thing because it's very, you just have to just kind of want it all the time. And for me, it's sort of like, it's like a dying fad. Like sometimes I want it and sometimes I don't want it. And having the tenacity to do something is always kind of important to me. I feel like I do have it sometimes and then I don't have it all the time. So I feel like if I had tenacity, I feel like I would know where to go and what to do, you know? Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. What do you, um, or not what do you, you mentioned about your greatest musical achievement and you had a couple things you said about directing hair and you said about the Brandenburg concert that you put together. Sure. Uh, what about those things? And you could split it up talking equally about them. Um, what made them the greatest achievement for you? 
like I, th I think I said it earlier with the, the praise or the comments that you get from other people, like, um, especially with hair, huh? um, I had to, I had to teach about 65 songs in a matter of a month. And wow. that was literally impossible, <laughs> but we did it. Um, the harmonies not, were not always there, but I mean, I got to teach them the melodies and if I, could really try really hard to teach them harmony. I would, and the duets sounded great. And people um, came up to me afterwards, and there were these parents that come up to me that got to see their children in the show, and they were like, "I've never seen my child do so much work vocally before." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "I agree." Um, and it was scary at first. I mean, it was a lot of work, um, and. You know, initially, because yeah. um, I, I, I had done the show at Ithaca before, and this time I was like, I really want to just teach musically. And I was a sophomore, and I, I was so unsure that I wasn't going to get it. And luckily for me, they let me sneak in without any piano talent at all. And so what I did was um, hmm. I said to them, you know what? I... I love this show. I didn't know anything about it, but, um, and for those who don't know hair, um, hair is sort of like a, um, one of those, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's a very, it's an acid trip of crazy music. Um, <laughs> it's, it's basically all over the world with all different kinds of genres. And I, that's why I love it so much because it crosses so many barriers and, music and doesn't just focus on one person focuses on so many different kinds of people. And I, I love that aspect of hair. Um, and then when they came with me and they said, you know what, we're, we're loving the fact that you're doing this with us. Um, you have to slow down a little bit. I'm like, okay, all right. And that's when I knew I had a little bit of tenacity with me. Like I felt like I knew that I wanted that, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe I lied about the tenacity part because Maybe I, I I felt like at that point in time, I was like, this is what I want and I want to go for it. And then when the show came out and people that came to see it, they were excited. They were like, wow, this is awesome. And that ended up landing me a new gig and doing more music theater stuff and more directing. And I was like, this is just something I'd like to do in the future and I might want to continue doing it in the future. But um, like you said, validation was sort of really big when I was younger because I didn't really know where I stood uh -huh. in being a musician. Now that I know that I'm getting my doctorate and now that I'm at the point where I can feel more comfortable about myself, um, being a musician and being, you know, talking to you and talking to other people about music, I feel like I have that competency as I was mentioning before, but with hair, it was really different and it allowed me to really express the way I felt about musicals which was at the time my absolute love it was just something mm -hmm. my bread and butter it was just something that i knew um and crazy enough um i was at the point where i had turned the clocks on on, on knowing how to like i was uh, there was a point in time where i couldn't sing a dime's work of, of sight reading i was like mm -hmm. all over the place but once I took oral skills, I zoomed off and I was at a point where I could read things very easily and teach things fast. 
And I was at that point where I felt really comfortable and wanted to use that to my advantage. So I guess that for me showed my competency, uh, my scholarly review of, of teaching theory and oral skills, um, and the the skill of also being in front of a crowd and saying, you know, that that's not the wrong note. This is the right note. Or teaching them the lyrics to a song, which was hard because a lot of them would come to rehearsal and not know the music. And I would say to them, there was a time where I didn't know this music, but after listening to it about 20 or 30 times, I know it cold now. You know, I, uh-huh. can, I can still go on walks and listen to it and I'll still conduct it and I'll know every single beat of the tune because I had programmed myself that way. Right. And, and that's one of the hardest things a musician can really do is when you listen to something and you know exactly what to do, that's sort of where you need to go. You know, so right. that's where I ended and up that, and, Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and that goes along really well with your greatest, uh, with, with your regret that you mentioned, which was not starting theater earlier mm. um, because you did mm-hmm. discover, I'll, I'll call it quote unquote late in life, even though, you know, we're very young, but right. late in your school career, I'll say. Mm-hmm. You discovered your passion for it, which right. I mean, it, I'm happy that you did. But I remember when you started, I was surprised and you took to it so well that I said to myself, why didn't he do it earlier? Right. No, I was. Um, oh, man, I was so shy when I was in high school. Um, and there was always. No, you <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I know. Hunter was like, oh, my God. God, you were not really. You know what? There was a part of there. I, I basically had two personalities: one, a personality with my friends and my rapport, and mm-hmm. another one where it was very. When I was not around people I knew, I was just kind of a shellfish, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I I realized I I noticed that too because I know like you and I obviously were able to talk, and obviously there was right. Chris and CJ, and you you were fine. But then like I'd see you in either classes or you know just out in you know school. And you were very reserved, and I was surprised. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it really came down to my comfortable level or feeling like I knew what I was doing or knowing the, the level I'm going to take to something. So it was always, it was basically always a question in my mind whether I was going to do it or not. And the strangest thing, I graduated from high school, and right before I went to college – um, my mom goes, you have to try it. You have to go just do it for me. Cause you're not getting a job this summer. You're not doing any work. Just do it. And it'll, it'll make me so happy. I'll pay for you to go and do it. It'll be fun for you. And at that time I had enough curiosity to be like, you know what? Okay. I'll give it a try. And I ended up loving it and being a part of it ended up changing my whole life about what I thought music was and what it can't be. Or what it can be, even you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for those who are listening, who who are just thinking about theater, just do it because it's so easy to not do something, but it's a little harder to do something. So, I encourage those who are a little shy about not wanting to do something to go do it because they will be happy that they did at the end and not filled with not filled with regret, but understanding that that's something that they want to do down the road. So, I'm just saying, Hunter, if you want to get into the acting mm-hmm. business. You can get right at, you can jump into it right now if you want, you know, because there's no stopping you. <laughs> That's very true. There is nothing stopping me other than the pandemic at the moment. Um, <laughs> right. 
so the other one I want to talk about quickly mm-hmm. is your three, the three composers that you chose oh, as sure. your, your favorite. Absolutely. So you said Stravinsky, Ellington, and then Earth, Wind, and Fire. That and three very different people. I can't say that there's really a lot of connection between them. So right. why'd you pick them? Why did I pick them? Um, I, I said Igor, um, Duke, and Fire and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Stravinsky has always played a beautiful message in my heart. One of the first orchestras I heard played Firebird, and initially I knew at that point in time I wanted to play music, wanted to be a musician. Um, and and that was so easy for me to be like, that's just something I really like. Um, listening to Duke, um, understanding what real jazz music sounds like. At this time, I've been really only listening to Glenn and really white washed composers for jazz but listening to duke listening to really real true music like duke's music is real and i i i I, when i listened to it it just resonated with me so much that i knew that jazz was another aspect of my life that i had sort of forgotten about which Uh is weird you know and it's it's just something that i had thought about you know and as as much as i love you know, you mentioned Benny Goodman, Glenn Miller. Those people are great, but the true, true like message of of jazz music really comes from the message itself, and from like Duke Ellington, and from people who really lived the times that they lived and understood what it really meant to them. And that's what I think that. And when I listen to Earth, Wind, and Fire, it's kind of really funny. Um, there was a time where I was doing work in the grad lounge in Ithaca College. And Mimi was working as well. And she had heard something and she took a video and she said, 20 bucks, this is Earth, Wind, and Fire. She took the video, pulled up to me, opened up one of her headphones to hear me, and it was Earth, Wind, and Fire. And it was really easy to say because there is nothing like funk in this world. <laughs> it's It's very good. You know, it's just, I can't get enough of it, whatever it is. It is just funk to me is just one of those things that's like it, it. It's so undescribable the feeling that you have and the groove feeling that it gives you. It's just it's really unreal at that point okay. in time. It just really gives you that sense of bop, and I don't think any other genre of music does that for me. Um, maybe um, yeah, I can't think of anything else besides funk that really gives me that same feeling. Then, I mean, I guess other music gives other people feelings, but funk really does give me that feeling of just that, I don't know, it's overwhelming and it makes you feel like you can do anything and dance, you know? So I think that's just something. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And, you know, it's easy to see or hear rather why they were popular as they were, right? I mean, because they did have that special something they right. were a very large group too, which was unusual for the time. You know, usually groups of of that era were not as large. You know, maybe right. five people. Um, right. Yeah, at most. So I think that really also helped. They had great vocal harmony too, which also oh, yeah. really helped. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of, you know, people who just give you that feeling and that, you know. Well, that was a bad segue, but you're, the last one I want to talk about is your hero, which is a, a hero of fiction. Sure. Hero of fiction. Sure. Um, 
which is Miles Morales. Miles yeah. Morales. And as I said, I knew you were, I actually thought <laughs> in my head when I was asking the question, I was like, is he going to pick Miles Morales? And sure enough, you did. I did, um, yeah. So why don't you explain to the listeners why? Sure. Um, for Christmas, my girlfriend got me a Miles Morales t-shirt. Oh, that's nice. Just to add, you know, to add, and I'm not going to say um, to the inside of, of why I chose this person. Um, Miles, to me, is it, the story of, of of Miles is just is so beautiful and so crazy and Honestly, when I think about Miles, I think about how the message of the story is anyone could be Spider-Man. And I think that's beautiful. There isn't really one limit on race or ethnicity or religion or or whoever can be Spider-Man. Because everyone at one time was like, he's a white guy from Queens. That's who he is. We're really limiting him to one person. But then Spider-Woman comes out. And then Miles Morales comes out. And then all these other crazy other characters from the Spider-Verse come out. And I just kind of love the fact that there's not one person that we designate to be the one. And I think it's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I love, I just love the character of Miles because he is so sweet and just so nice. And um, he never gives up on himself. And that's a trait that I feel like people should never take for granted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I, and I mean, obviously, you know, they did a great job with the movie and, you know, the, we had talked about the, the score for the movie being one of your favorites as well. And, you know, all of that, I think really when you watch it adds to that, that sense of connection with the character. And he's very, he's very real. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's a very yeah. believable character. Right. Right. Yeah. So he's a, he's a, he's a good choice. I think that's very good. Right. Um, So, Sean, anything else you want to say? I uh, I don't know. Any other questions you got for me? Not that I can think of. Oh, you know what? Actually, now that you mention it, since we were talking about um, uh, you know, icons here, uh, why'd you pick Harry James as your as your historical composer that you or historical person you identify with? That's a great. That's a great question. Um, it's because I got to play his concerto for Harry James for a concerto competition. And it's, and it's unlike any other piece you've ever heard before. Um, it, it's so interesting. It's um, a lot of people are like, this is really different and it's not classical music. It's jazz. And I'm like, yeah, it's jazz. And not a lot of people know this, but this whole concerto was um, improvised. Really? The whole concerto was improvised. Oh, they, they, they had played chords for him, and he improvised the entire thing, which in my mind is completely wow. boggling. I didn't yeah. know that. So he obviously had melodies written out, but he improvised the heck out of it. And I give him... It, it is so crazy, and it is so much fun to play. Um, and I got to play it for my senior recital, um, and that was basically a, a gift, um, a gift to Grace. Um, not not to not to Grace, my sister, but Grace as in like just doing it, you know, as, <laughs> as a concept. concept. And I was scared to play it because it was so hard. Um, 
And again, back to that idea of validation, um, the trombone professor who's actually retiring this year at the college, he had said to my professor, he had said to him, he looked like Harry James when he played it. He sounded like Harry James when he played it. Oh, and, that, and that to me really? was one of the greatest compliments because I had listened to Harry James play it over and over and over again. I listened to other people play it too, but he in my mind stuck vividly, you know, and he's a great trumpet player, started out in the Glenn Miller band and then started his own band, his own way. Um, and he's, he's one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest jazz trumpet players out there, you know, um, that got to, got to play in that, mm -hmm. that arena near Benny Goodman and Glenn Miller and all those other great, you know, musicians out there. Um, but yeah, that's my answer. Very cool. I didn't know that. I'll have to go. I'll have to go take another listen to it. I heard it once years ago, and uh, knowing now that it was largely improvised, I'll have to go listen to it with different ears now. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Well, Sean, thank you for your honest and uh, valid responses. And uh, anything to say to close us out? Um, well, I uh, I want to also thank you for doing this too. I know this was sort of like a you want to try it? And you were like, yeah, let's give it a try. You know, I thought that was definitely an interesting take on it. Yeah. And I am just so excited to talk to you about it. And Prouse is one of those people who are just someone who is definitely willing to take the next step and ask the big questions. Um, and I do appreciate you sticking around and hanging out with us today. And, uh, for those listening, uh, we do have some more podcasts coming for you up on this 2021. Um, I want to say Happy New Year to those who are listening. And uh, we will see you soon. We'll see you next week. All right. See you soon. Ciao. That is it for Music Speaks. My name is Sean Rakunis. He is Hunter Sagona. We will see you next time, and next time we will sit down with my friend Tyler Suarez to talk about his favorite composers. And keep listening to what you love.